Hey everybody, it's Shaman Sister Sin, and you're listening to the Meditations and More podcast brought to you by littleshaman.org. That's me, Little Shaman. Today, I wanted to talk to you about something that many people deal with after they exit relationships with narcissistic people, and that is how to avoid getting in a relationship with another narcissist or another toxic person. There is a large danger of getting involved in another toxic relationship, so it's important to understand what's going on because most people do want to try to avoid that. Being in a relationship with a narcissist is very damaging, especially if it was a longer relationship or a very close important one like a parent or a spouse. Dealing with narcissistic personalities is painful, unpleasant, and difficult. People are unseen, unheard, unacknowledged, often for years and years. This can create a huge vulnerability to relationships where a potential partner or friend appears to see and acknowledge you, and as everyone knows, love bombing from toxic personalities such as pathologically narcissistic people falls squarely into this category. People get so caught up in how it feels that they miss or ignore the red flags inherent in the behavior. This happens because people who have been in relationships with narcissists for any length of time can become so starved for decent treatment that they might look before they leap. Becoming enamored by the feelings of being seen, being heard, being validated, being valued. They don't stop to examine the veracity of the claims being made by the new person, for example, or pay attention to what's really being said. It feels so good after feeling so bad for so long that they can find it hard to stop and think. And just as a reminder, the goal of all manipulation is to get people to act without thinking. There's often a lowering of the bar in some ways. For example, in some situations, people might find that they're projecting all manner of good qualities onto a person simply because the person has been nice to them or because they don't act like the narcissist did at the end of the relationship. They don't drink, or they're not violent, or they pay attention to what's being said to them, or they seem interested in things that other people are doing and thinking, or anything else that in reality doesn't prove anything about the kind of person someone really is, especially if you don't actually know them. This is dangerous because just being better than a disordered toxic abuser doesn't really take very much. And when you barely know somebody, it takes zero effort at all. And this is not the kind of standard for any kind of relationship because that should be a given. This is a trap that can be very easy to fall into, which is how so many people end up becoming involved or getting involved again with narcissists and other toxic personalities during or after a tragedy or other life period where they become vulnerable, such as when a loved one dies or when they got ill or they lost their job or when they just got out of a previous toxic relationship. People just want to feel better. They just want to be treated as if they matter. They want to love and be loved. Unfortunately, this is exactly the type of situation that people like narcissists often successfully capitalize on and exploit. For example, you're going through an illness and your narcissistic mother suddenly re-enters your life at just the right time to show up and save the day until she establishes herself in control once again and becomes the same old nightmare that she always was. Or you're going through a terrible toxic divorce and your narcissistic friend or co-worker steps in to become an amazingly supportive confidant who makes everything bearable until suddenly you're in a relationship with them and now everything is different because now you're the problem. 
particularly when someone has already dealt with a narcissist or other toxic personality, they may be susceptible to love bombing because during love bombing, a person is made the focus of all the other person's attention. It can be very intense and feel very good. After being neglected, ignored, and devalued by a narcissist or an abuser for so long, this can feel almost irresistible to people who are starved for affection and to feel like they matter. This is exactly when we need to be careful. This is exactly when we need to be clear about what we're doing and to be paying attention. So some things to remember are, remember that you're vulnerable right now, even if you don't want to be. Healing takes a long time, and even if it's been a while or you are sure that you've healed enough to engage with people again on a different level, it's important to remember that you've been through something that is extremely difficult to recover from and that affects people on many levels. It may not even be possible to accurately gauge or predict how you will react to something like a new intimate relationship until you are actually doing that. Sometimes people think they're okay until they try it and then they realize there's still a lot going on for them around that subject or that they're more vulnerable than they thought they were. That's okay. Information is power. Go slow. Pay attention to what's happening. Pay attention to how you feel every step of the way. It is much, much better to be safe than sorry. This doesn't mean never take a risk. Interacting with others is always risky to a degree. So what it means is to take measured, calculated risks that you are evaluating as clearly and honestly as you possibly can. That means we need to evaluate the situation based on the facts and not anyone's feelings. This helps us to stop ignoring or dismissing red flags. We must evaluate the situation based on the facts and not our feelings or the other person's feelings. But I love them or but they love me is not a solid reason, defense, or excuse for anything. And the reality is that it won't last, not long enough to matter in the end. The pain and the damage caused by abuse and mistreatment does last, and it will likely still matter for years after all the love is gone. Even when love remains, it's not enough to overcome that. Legitimately, it's just not. So don't use feelings as a way to evaluate anything or as the sole base to make decisions. They are not reliable. They are not facts. And they're not evidence of anything. Facts are, and the feelings you had for this person 10 years ago, for example, probably don't matter very much now that you're entangled in an abusive relationship with them currently. Feelings don't mitigate facts either. If you love somebody and they punched you in the face, they still punched you in the face. Loving them has nothing to do with anything in terms of understanding the facts and the reality of the situation. Neither does them saying that they love you. Neither does being lonely or afraid for things to change or anything else. It is what it is. So therefore, we need to see that and clearly accept it as it really is. That way we can evaluate the situation accurately. Otherwise, we're just fooling ourselves. And we can play that game if we choose. Many, many, many of us did and many people still do. But it's a game that we're always going to lose because you're not fooling anybody but yourself. You want to remember to create healthy boundaries and don't compromise on them. Creating healthy boundaries, learning to clearly, directly communicate them to others, and holding these boundaries, even when it's hard, is the single most important skill you can have when it comes to protecting yourself from toxic relationships. People always want to know the sneaky, covert ways to suss out narcissists and all the hidden secrets to protecting yourself and all these other things, when in reality, it's very simple. Stop giving more than you really should. Get comfortable asserting yourself and get comfortable saying no to people. 
That not only reveals narcissists insanely quickly, it goes a very long way toward protecting you from getting tangled up with them as well. Stop looking for sneaky ways and hidden secrets. You don't need them, and there aren't any anyway. If you tried any of the things people so often say to do, you already know that. As complicated and terrible as it can feel, the situation is actually usually pretty simple. The only thing that works is to say no, keep saying no, and stay away from abusive, toxic people once they've revealed themselves. That's it. It's not exactly a sexy or intriguing solution, and it won't feed anybody's ego, but it works better than anything else. We want to set reasonable, healthy standards for relationships and stick to them. Be clear about what a relationship looks like to you going forward. It can't just be something like, well, as long as they don't scream at me for hours or as long as they don't cheat on me all the time. Those things should be a given. There's much more to a partnership or a friendship than only these kinds of things. And in order to be a partnership that's worth investing in, people need to bring more to the table than just, I'm not an abuser. That's great, but there's more to having fulfilling adult relationships than just what somebody doesn't do. Know what values are important to you and what you're looking for in relationships. This helps you create a standard for yourself regarding relationships that you can use to help evaluate the relationship honestly. Understanding the reasoning behind the standard you've created also helps you stand firm in it and not be convinced to compromise it because you shouldn't. Sometimes people have a problem with someone having standards. They try to make it sound like it's unfairly or unjustly discriminatory somehow or that somebody's opinion of themselves is too high. Let people think whatever they want. You have every right to choose what you will allow space for in your life and to be absolutely ruthless about enforcing that. If someone has a problem with it, they probably wouldn't be a good match for you anyway because they clearly don't understand why that's important. Or maybe they do, and that's why they have a problem with it. You want to figure out what you want, not just what you don't want. After being in a toxic, abusive relationship, most people understandably have a long list of things that they do not want from relationships. However, the question of what people actually do want is often not even part of the conversation, and it really should be. As we just discussed, knowing what you don't want is only part of the equation, and in some ways, it's a bit of a trap because just because someone doesn't do those particular things doesn't mean they're automatically going to be a good partner or a friend. It doesn't mean anything except that they don't do those particular things, or at least that they haven't done them yet, and that's a pretty low bar for any potential relationship of any kind. When you are creating your boundaries and your standards, think not just about what you don't want, but about what you do want. For example, if you don't want someone to yell at you, what do you want? Because someone doesn't have to yell to still be absolutely terrible at communication. They could refuse to answer. They could change the subject. They could make jokes incessantly and never take anything seriously. If you don't want someone in your life who drinks too much, what do you want? Because there are other compulsive behaviors or addictions that a person can have besides drinking. Or maybe they don't have an addiction, but they cheat. Or maybe they don't cheat, but they break things when they get angry. Or maybe they don't do any of those things, but they also don't listen to or care about a single thing that you say. Along with creating and enforcing strong boundaries and holding to our standards, defining what we want helps us avoid the trap of becoming entangled with people who actually are toxic, but in ways that are not already familiar to us and therefore might be missed because we're not necessarily aware of them. If we say, I want a person who communicates in an open, healthy way who's interested in resolving problems, instead of, I want someone who doesn't yell at me, then just not yelling is not enough to meet our standards, which is good because it shouldn't be. 
There are virtually endless variations on the theme of disrespect and poor communication, and making our standards solely about excluding or avoiding specific behaviors can leave the door open for other things that are just as unpleasant and just as unproductive and toxic. Many, many times we have heard stories of people who got out of relationships with one type of abuser just to end up in a relationship with another type of abuser, who had different behaviors in some ways, but was still the same kind of person. The things we just talked about can help close that gap and help prevent that from happening. Unfortunately, nothing is foolproof, and the reality is that you're going to run into toxic, abusive, generally unhealthy people again due to their sheer numbers. It's unavoidable. There are just too many of them to avoid all of them every single time. And it's important to understand this because many people are searching for ways to totally avoid them. It's just not realistic. It's just not possible. The key then is not to stress yourself out trying to find some foolproof way to avoid all of them simply because there's not one. The key is to learn how to prevent yourself from becoming deeply entangled with them. And that you can do. So I hope this clears a few things up for you. As always, I look forward to your comments, questions, and suggestions, so please keep those coming. I take appointments online, over the phone, via text, via messenger, via email, and through Skype. So if you're interested in speaking with me one-on-one, you can visit littleshaman.org to do that. I teach workshops, seminars, and clinics, so if you are interested in seeing what we are running this month, you can visit littleshaman.org to do that. And if you are interested in joining our support group with access to exclusive content, weekly supportive emails, and weekly meetings, you can visit littleshaman.org to do that as well. You've been listening to the Meditations and More podcast brought to you by littleshaman.org. That's me, the Little Shaman. May the Great Spirit bless you. Have a beautiful day.